Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It is the last Sunday of 2020. And how are you feeling about 2020? As I've talked to different people, some people are saying, I really liked it. I really liked isolation. I really liked being at home. And others are saying, I didn't like it. And every answer is is valid. But when you look back on your year, what do you see? Today, I want to look at this idea of what you see. And not just what you see physically, like you could go through the things that you saw this year, things that you saw happening, things that you saw around the world. I want to talk about what you see from um, what the scriptures call the eyes of your heart. What did you see in the eyes of your heart? Because what you see in the eyes of your heart will make all the difference to how you interpret the year that has happened and will prepare you for the year that, that is, is coming. What you see in the eyes of your heart this year, if you can be really honest with yourself as we look at this today, uh, will determine how your relationships have gone, how you've gone personally as you examine, allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart, to see what the eyes of your heart are seeing. You know, sometimes you think you are seeing correctly, but you're you're actually not. You think you are. You know, sometimes I've been shopping and I've parked my car and gone shopping for a bit and I go back. This did happen to me once at Kmart at Waratah. I walked up and down the rows of Kmart at Waratah and I was thinking someone must have stolen my car. And then suddenly I remembered I came in Graham's car, not my car. And I actually walked past the car once walked right past it because I was looking for a different car. And sometimes you might be looking for the wrong thing and wondering why things aren't going well, and it's because you're not looking where your heart is really longing to look. So what you see makes all the difference. Have a look at this image. What do you see? Some of you will see a young woman and some of you will see an old woman. Some of you will see the young woman first. Some of you will see the old woman first. Some of you will see both pretty quickly. And some of you will still be sitting there trying to work it out. And uh, you can do a Google search later and have a look at it and try to work it out so that you can see the young woman and the old woman. It's just changing the way your eyes see it will determine which one you see. And there's no right or wrong. There is an old woman there and there is a young woman there. But what you see um, will sometimes make you even disagree with the people where they say, no, it's easy to see the old woman. Well, it may not be easy for the person next to you to see the old woman. That doesn't make you right or wrong. It's just that you can't see it. So today, as we analyse what we see, I want to look at this desperate longing we have to see God. And I want to read from Romans 1.20 where it says, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. You're one of them. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So what this is saying is that one of the reasons for God's creation is that we would see what he's like. Through everything that God made, you see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. If you sit and reflect on that for a time, you'll be blown away by the invisible qualities that you see in creation of his eternal power and his divine nature. Pick one aspect of creation right now, just one aspect. You think, why, it is, why is it there? One aspect. It could be the bird that sings outside your bedroom window in the morning. It could be 
the little shells that you see that move very slowly in the rock pools. It could be the magnitude of the sky. It could be the beautiful trees that blossom in spring, that lose their leaves in winter. Whatever it is, take, take one thing and you contemplate that on that one thing and ask yourself, what does that show you about God? And you'll be able to think about that for ages, his eternal qualities, his, his eternal power and his divine nature. So if you think of everything around you as to enable you to see God, but in Romans 1, it says that people miss this. People miss this. And because, and what they did was they transferred um, those things as being evidence of God's qualities to being God. And so people made images of things. And it says in Romans 1 23, instead of worshiping the glorious, ever living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So they made something that they could actually see. And they said, This is God. Now I can see it. We think all the people in the past did that. People in the present do that. We create things. We have things that we worship. If you worship it, it means that you put your value and your worth on that one thing. You allow that thing to rule you, to dominate you, to tell you how to live, to create your way of life for you. We continue to do that. And it says in Romans 1, because of that, people's hearts and minds darkened. They couldn't see things clearly any longer because they weren't seeing God clearly. Once you see God clearly for who he really is, you start to see yourself and the world around you clearly. If you read the book of Job, which is a powerful book about a man who suffered and had a knowledge of God, and then a divine encounter with God towards the end of the book where everything changes in his world and the result is blessing flooding into his life. And in Job 42 verse 5, Job says this to God, my ears had heard of you but now my eyes have seen you. And when Job was talking to God, God said to him, stand up and let me ask you some questions. And the questions God asked him are all about creation. God gives him several chapters of an overview of creation. How did this happen? Who made this? Why does this happen in creation? And suddenly Job comes to this realization that all around him he's seen how amazing God is, how powerful, how unfathomable God is. And, and instead of hearing about God, which many of us do, we hear about God. We sit in church, we hear about him, we talk about him, we read about him. But now he says he's had a revelation, which means in the eyes of his heart have been opened and he suddenly sees him and this changes everything. And that's what God wants you to have. He wants you to have a revelation where you haven't just heard about him from other people. You don't just sit in church and hear someone talk about him or even read your Bible and read about him. You actually start to see him from the depth of your being. God is so desperate for you to see him. He gave us creation, but then he did something more wondrous for us to be able to see him. In John 1, 14, we read this. The word who is Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. In other words, God himself, so that we could see him, became flesh. He sent his son into the world. He said, they need to see me. They need to know what I'm like because once they see me, once they don't see me as a philosophy or an idea, once they see me as a real person, they'll know what I'm like and suddenly things will become clear. And so in John 1, 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And John, who's writing this, who was a personal friend of Jesus, said, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, at Christmas time, which we've just celebrated, 
we get the opportunity to dwell on this, that God became visible so that we could see him. And what do we see? We see a God who is humble. We see a God who is willing to leave his place of glory and be born into poverty and ignominy, to be humbled, to not, as it says in Philippians, to grasp his equality with God, which he had, but to take the form of a servant. It says that he came to serve and not to be served. He came to seek and save the lost, and the lost are not the bad as sometimes we think. You know, sometimes when I'm driving somewhere, I'm lost and I have to call on Google Maps to show me how to get there. I'm not worse than anyone else driving along the road because I'm lost. I'm just lost. And he came, he humbled himself to save those of us who are humble enough to admit that we're lost and that we need him to to find us. We need to be found in him. It says in Hebrews 2.9, we see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So we see this God who, as it says in the Psalms, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you would care for him, that you would make yourself low for his sake? That's the God that we see. We see the God who, if you were the only person ever created, would have done this for you. He would have come into the world so that you could see him. He would live in the dust and the dirt of this world so he could experience everything that you experience. He allows you to call him your brother. He allows him to call you his friend. He suffered to the point of agony before he died on the cross, knowing that he would bring life to you. It was not for him, it was all for you. That's the God that we see. That Jesus is the one who gives everything for you. So through Jesus, what we yearn for in our hearts to see God is what we get. We get this this longing fulfilled that we actually see what God is like. Some people ask, is, um, is the God of the Old Testament the same as the God of the New Testament? That's why God made himself manifest or visible to each one of us so that we could get rid of the false idea that we have of God and actually see him. In Isaiah chapter 9, we read this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And even though we look at Christmas as just really nice because the baby is born, it's so much bigger than that. It means that we get to see God with skin on. We get to see what he's really like. And he's like this. The government will be on his shoulders. You know, as we look at the world and elections and politics and all the things that are happening, sometimes it's like we think that The future of the world rests on who wins the next election, who's in charge of what country. But it says here the government will be upon his shoulders. We can trust in him and him alone. Truly, prime ministers and presidents and leaders will come and go, but the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He is the God who wants to come not just to be with you or near you or let him see you. He's the God who wants to fill you with his spirit. And by his spirit to counsel you, to guide you, to love you, to listen to you, to understand you, to be your mentor and your friend. That's the God who is made visible. He will be called mighty God. So while he is very present with you, deep within you, speaking to you, he is also all powerful, well able to deal with any situation or circumstance you bring to him. And sometimes you may think that he's taking a long time and he's not answering when you want him to, but that's because he is mighty God. 
He sees things from a greater perspective than you see. He humbled himself and came down to be with us so that we could see him. But he sees you and eternity from a much greater perspective. And that's why we trust in him as mighty God. We bring things to him. And sometimes his timeline is different to our timeline. But because he is mighty God, we trust in his timeline. And if you are praying for something and God hasn't yet answered your prayer, it means God is doing something within you. Trust mighty God in this because he is also called everlasting father. And as a father, his intentions for you are good. And if he isn't giving you what you want right now, he is a father who is raising you up, discipling you, nurturing you, loving you, disciplining you so that you can become the beautiful son or daughter, the powerful son or daughter, the son or daughter of integrity and dignity with a future and a hope that he has always dreamed of you becoming. So we wait patiently on him. And he's called Prince of Peace. When you know him, his peace fills your heart. When you know his peace in your heart, his peace fills the relationships around you and the world around you because you become an instrument of his peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. So what do you see? What did you see this year? I'm going to pray that what you did see this year, that you'll see it from his perspective, that the eyes of your heart will be open, that in the areas where it seemed devastating, that you'll see God was strangely working in that situation and working in you. In the areas where you see joy, pray that you will see that that joy was a gift to you from your heavenly father. It wasn't just random chance. It was the God who loves you. I pray that you will see who you really are in him, that as this year has progressed and all the the strange things that have happened in this world seem out of control, you will understand that God is always in control. You know, the funny thing about this year is that for many, many years, maybe even for a decade, People have had their 2020 vision statement. What's going to happen in 2020? And there's this being this great pun on this word 2020, thinking that we have 2020 vision. And I believe that God showed us this year that the only 2020 vision that you need to have is the one that sees him clearly. And once you see him clearly, everything else falls into place. It's like everything comes into perspective. So let's pray for that. Join with me as we pray together. Father, thank you that you are the one who sees clearly and you long for us to see clearly. Thank you for the beautiful creation that you have made and placed us in so that we can see your invisible qualities, your eternal power and nature and strength. Thank you most of all that you sent Jesus so that we could see you, so that we could see you clearly. We could see your power to defeat death. We could see your humility that you would come to serve us mere creatures. We can see your love, that you would give yourself purely for us for no other reason than that we could see clearly you and know you and experience you. So for each one of us today, I pray, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts that we might see you clearly, that we might see the hope that you've won for us, the power that you have invested in us and the love that never fails us. May we see this year in perspective And we may we prepare for next year, seeing you clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. 